Well, good afternoon. It has been a good day. It's always a good day to be here or over in... Well, it's good to be with the Lord's people on the, on the Lord's day, wherever we are. I'll, just let it, I'll leave it at that. Um, I want to say that Mark's message this morning could not have been more timely, could not have been more needful, and more encouraging. Sometimes you hear people talk and begin to wonder, where are they going with this? Okay, we're in good we're, we're, we're in good grounds now. But no, it's uh it does scare me that like, men that I've known for a good while and individuals that I had great regard for and and I guess on a certain level I still do. But to see that they have bought into some things that are totally and completely harmful plain and simple it's harmful my granddaughter Anaya she's 16 she told her father get me a bible no in fact she told me have papa get me a bible I said what does she want a bible for he said well she goes to church sometimes she wants her own bible I said okay I'll get her one and then she tells her father, well, just get one from Papa. He pays a thousand of them. Well, if I do have a thousand of them, they're all the same one. They're all going to read the same. But my point was, I bought her one on Amazon. And then I found out she won her name on her Bible. Well, now, baby, that wasn't quite so easy. But I was able to buy a case with her name on it. But as I was doing all this, I kept thinking, she's going to have this Bible. Are the people that she's going to be listening to going to use that Bible? Or are they going to encourage her to go to something easier to understand? It doesn't have all those old words and and some things that were mistakenly put in that one. This one is better. Um, I have a lot of trepidation about that because I'm not going to be there to instruct her or to help her along. I hope that she has enough confidence in me to call me and ask me, Papa, what does this mean? This is what they told me. What do I do? So you know, I'm, I'm a little leery right now of doing that. But I wanted to. She has, if she wants the scriptures, I wanted to have it. So I, I'm, I hope her brother will call and say he wants the same thing. But we'll, we'll take it when it comes. But again, Mark, I did appreciate this morning. Uh, I'm not as versed as you gentlemen probably are. But I just know from what I've seen, when I read one verse in the King James, I read another in the ESV, 
and it is ESV is so vague and so unspecific where the scriptures the, new, the King James is specific it gives you lengths, numbers, measurements and uh, the vagueness of these new these new versions are is of I believe great concern so with that being said, open your Bible to the book of Psalms, the 115th Psalm, and I believe that this was kind of inspired, this might be one of Mark's Sunday morning readings, was Psalm 115. If not, somewhere I wrote it down, and it came to me this week, and I was encouraged to look into it. So that is where we're going to be. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, the 115th Psalm. We're going to read the entirety of the chapter, the, the, the psalm, which is not very long. And for a title, if you would, the differences between the heathen and the believer. Or I could say the believer and the unbeliever. Or the just and the unjust. There's a vast difference between those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and those that do not. I am not going to enumerate them all. But I'm going to hit the high spot that I find here in Psalm 115. So let's begin by reading the psalm. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. For thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they, that they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throats. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, Trust thou in the Lord. He is their helper. He is their help and their shield. Ye, ye that fear the Lord. Let me pick this thing up so I can read it better. I have a doctor of optometry. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> o house of Israel, 
trust in the Lord. Here's their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He, he is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear, that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which have which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Our Father, with this reading, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Father, that it is trustworthy. We trust you. We thank you, Father, that we have a volume in which we can trust. We have a source of understanding and a source of knowledge that if we depend upon your leading, your spirit, we can rightly divide the words in this book. Father, natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he because they are spiritually discerned. Grant unto us, Father, the spirit of understanding the spirit of diligence that we might seek your face in your word that we would look to you not to man's devices for the understanding of your word and may we indeed depend upon you may we trust your faithfulness in whom there is no variance, nor error, nor changing, nor confusion. May we seek your face in all things, for Christ's sake. Amen. So now again, I want to point out some differences between the believer and the unbeliever, or the heathen and the believer. The first one I want you to consider is the believer gives glory where glory is due. The first verse in this psalm, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy, thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. The believer looks upon his God and his Savior. He does not look to himself. He does not look to other men. He looks unto God. The heathen, we're going to see in a few moments, has a different idea. 
They have a different place that they want to go. But the believer, he acknowledges it is only because of God's mercy, God's grace, his truth, his faithfulness, that he is delivered. What does the book of Ephesians tell us in chapter 2 and verse 8? By grace are you saved. Through faith. And that not of, your, that not of yourself. Is the gift of God. God's grace. God's mercy. If we are saved this afternoon. It's because God was merciful unto us. Not because we did anything to earn it or deserve it or have any, any inalienable right to it it is because God was pleased to save us his mercy I'm going to use a phrase here and I'm not trying to be funny but we do have an attorney here but I grew up with this phrase throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Lay everything out in front of them. Let them make the determination. Well, folks, that is what we are to do when it comes down to our God. We are to throw ourselves at his feet, at his mercy, depending on his grace and his mercy for our deliverance. We cannot deliver ourselves. We never could and we never will. In the book of 1 John, chapter 1, in the ninth verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Based on what? Based on what pleased him based on his mercy what are we confessing we're confessing our sins we're confessing the fact that God you are right about us you're right about me when you say that there's nothing in me that is good you're right I'm in agreement with you and I'm also in agreement that there's only one way that my sins can be taken away and that is in the Lord Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world God is faithful God is just forgive all, all our sins and to cleanse us not from just some of our unrighteousness a few of the things that we have faults about but all unrighteousness and in fact he goes so far as to impute the righteousness of his only begotten son unto us 
he has applied his righteousness unto us. Why? Because he's merciful. It was never in God's plan that every man, woman, and child enter into hell. It was never God's plan. Because we are told that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We are told that before Jacob and Esau were born, there were certain things that applied to one that didn't apply to the other. God made differences. But the heathen, the heathen asked, where now is their God? And I'm, a, I'm looking at this two ways, this, this question. Wherefore should the heathen say, where now is their God? Are they saying that to Israel? Or are they saying that to themselves? Because the same problem holds true in either case. The heathen does not know who his God is. The heathen instead makes his gods. The believer knows where his God is. And what type of God his God is. His God is sovereign. His God is almighty. His God is all powerful. His God does whatever he is pleased to do. Note verse 3. But our God is in the heavens and he has done whatsoever he hath pleased. That's the believer's God. The believer's God is one that does not have to ask permission. That doesn't have to seek counsel. The believer's God is one that sits upon his throne and he does exactly as it pleases him. I want us to consider for just a moment the book of Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus 15, I want you to note verse 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods who is like thee glorious in holiness fearful in praises doing wonders who is like unto thee the answer to that question is there is no one else like unto thee there are many gods We'll see in a few moments the vast number of gods that the heathens have. 
But the believer's God is glorious. He is majestic because of his wondrous doings, his mighty works from the beginning. All it took was him to say, let this be, and it was. And that's not any different today. If the believer's God says it is going to be this way, that is the way that it's going to be. And I've been thinking about this for several months. We're in an election period. We're going to decide who the next president is going to be. And I take some consolation in this. Our God already knows who the next president is going to be. He knows. We question it. We wonder. And we may even wonder when he appoints that president. We may ask ourselves, why? Why this man? Why do we get Joe Biden? Why do we get Donald Trump? Why do we get Barack Obama? The Bushes? Why do we get them? Because that's who God wanted there. It is his pleasure. It is his will. It is his determination. We are the, the tools in which in this country the president seemingly is chosen. But ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, I am convinced whoever it is that's in the, the individual that our God wanted to be there. Because he does that which pleases him. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, and there's none that can say, What doest thou? There is no need for us to really be afraid or overly concerned about who our next president is going to be. Because our God knows the end from the beginning. Our God works wonders. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, you'll note these words. Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He does everything that way. The believer knows that God. Now he may not know him, but when I was first saved, I didn't understand the full meaning of a sovereign, almighty God. Because I thought that Almighty God somehow was limited to my understanding of what he could and could not do. Or what he would and would not do. And I thought he had to walk and act and do things like I thought would make sense. When I first 
was approached or came to the hearing of the doctor of election. I was dumbfounded. I was in Germany, I was taking some courses through the University of Maryland. And in one of the courses, I was given to read the works of St. Augustine. And Augustine was a proponent of election. And I couldn't read it. I, 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 I said, this doesn't make sense to me. I, 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 this is not the God I understood. I understood God to be fair and give everyone an equal chance. Little did I know that if God gave everyone an equal chance of where they stood, none of us would be saved or all of us would be. One of the two. But you know what? God can. God does. Make a difference. Because God is sovereign. He works as he sees fit. As it pleases him. We cannot remake our God. The believer's God is the God that he has. He cannot change him. Do not seek to. Nor can you change his word. Do not seek to. He's always faithful. He's always true and always dependable. Never changing. But what does the heathen have for his God? Note if you would verses 4 through 8 their idols are silver and gold the works of men's hands they have mouths but they speak not eyes have they but they see not they have ears but they hear not noses have they but they we're going to get back where I'm supposed to be but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throats. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Useless. Idols made with men's hands of silver, gold, wood, stone. Yeah, you paint a mouth on them. You stick a mouth on them with some pottery. You can engrave a nose, eyes. Give them hands, you can give them feet. But they can't do anything with them. Their God cannot get up and walk. Their God cannot reach down and touch them and draw them to himself. Their God cannot help them one bit. The best their God can do is sit on a shelf or on a table and look appealing. And yet there are millions today that are deceived by those man-made gods that can do nothing for them whatsoever.
Consider, if you would, the book of Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 8. Isaiah 2 and verse 8. Their hand also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that with their own fingers have made. The same thing that the psalmist said. But I want us to understand something. The utter futility in worshiping these gods that they have to pick up and carry along with them. But the believer's God is with them at all times. You ever cross your mind there's never a moment in time in your life, in your existence, that God was not with you, that God did not know you. Before the world was, our, la our names were la written down in the Lamb's Book of Life way, way back. The heathen can't say that. And the heathen may change his God from one era of his life to another. Or he may have a multitude of gods. We have but one God. And that's all the God that the believer needs. That's all the believer should ever want. And the believer understands that that is the only one he is to worship. You know, when God determined to spell out what is commonly referred to as the Ten Commandments, first thing he took care of, I'm it. There'll be none other but me. I'm singular. I'm the only one. But yet, the heathen says I want no parts of that let me make a God that fits my mindset that fits my idea of what God is because that one is a little bit too restrictive for me and I say that about those heathens in this country or in the west that have had exposure whether they believe it or not, they've had exposure to the truth of God's word. And they say, no, that's too narrow for me. My, my heart of hearts tells me that's not the way it is to be. Mark used a phrase this morning, and I've been trying to remember what it was, I've been, I've been standing here. Preference. They prefer a different type of God. So they build gods. They set up gods. 
They form gods. They chisel out gods to fit their preference. There's a grave danger in that preference. And we're going to see in a few moments one of the grave dangers in that preference. The heathen makes idols. The believer submits to the total authority and power of the God of heaven. The believer has the Lord for their God. Verse 9 through 11. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their hope and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord is what we need. Do we need a shield? The Lord is our shield. Do we need a deliverer? The Lord is our deliverer. Do we need help? The Lord is our help. We have one source. Right now, Jeff Bezo, or whatever his name is, is trying to develop a one-point shopping center called Amazon. You can go to Amazon and get about anything you want. You can even get medical advice through Amazon on your phone. One-stop shopping. That's kind of the idea behind the mall. Everything's in one place. But you know, folks, there's one God. And you can't go shopping around for multiples. You can't go around shopping and making another one to suit your standards or to suit your will or to suit your desires. The Lord must be your God. It must be he that sits on the throne of heaven and again doeth whatsoever he pleases. But yet he is merciful. He is faithful. And he will not reject anyone that comes to him in and through the person of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be their shield. He will be their help. He will be their deliverer. He will be their savior. He will be where they need him at any given point and time. Whether the heathen left his God on his bedroom dresser. The Lord our God 
is so not like the God or the gods of the heathen or the unbeliever. Those gods of gold, silver, stone, clay, they're not the one. Those idols that men make, they don't know them. The idol knows no more anything about the person that bows down to them than the cow that's around the corner. But the God of the believer, according to verses 12 and verse 15, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which have made heaven and earth. The believer's God is mindful of them. The believer's God knows where they are. Knows who they are knows before they get there what they need. He knows what they need when they before they even know they need it. He's mindful of them. In the eighth Psalm, I want us to notice the first four verses. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him what are we he's mindful of us The believer's God is mindful of him. He knows him. He's concerned about him. He has loved them with an everlasting love. The heathen can't say that. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ under the saving of your soul, you can leave here this afternoon knowing My God knows me. My God loves me. My God has loved me longer than I've been alive. He thinks about me. 
I think about the conversation that God had with Satan when he said, have you considered my servant Job? God knew Job. He knew what Job was like. He knew that Job eschewed evil. He knew Job's shortcomings. He knew Job's sins. But yet he said, have you considered my servant Job not just Job but Job my servant this one particular man I knew him God knew Job the disciple that was sitting under the tree for life of my now my age I'm, Stephen you understand that I'm almost 70 I'm, my memory is not quite as good as it used to be We sit down the tree, and when he approached the Lord, he called him by name. How do you know me? When you're sitting under that tree, I knew you. God is mindful of us. Zacchaeus climbed up in that sycamore tree. He was a short man, he couldn't see, he wanted to see Christ. He climbed the sycamore tree. The Lord Jesus passed by the sycamore tree. And he stopped and he called, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. I'm going to spend some time with you. I know you by name. I'm here for you. Our God is mindful of us. He's not stone. He's not wood. He's not say, he's not stubble. He's all-knowing, mindful God. Think, listen to these words again. The Lord hath been mindful of us. Mindful of us. Can you say that? Can you say honestly in your heart, God, the Lord, is mindful of me? The heathen can't say that. You can. If you know him. The heathen is like Esau. In the book of Romans, the ninth chapter, in verse 13, some very humbling, very stark words, very poignant words, very meaningful words. Romans chapter 9 and verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. The heathen is Esau, I've hated. The believer is Jacob, I love. There is a difference, people. 
They're the difference between the believer and the unbeliever, the heathen and the believer, the righteous and the unrighteous. There's a difference. Who made us different? We didn't. We have not changed our spots. I got the same skin now I have for 68 years, and it will not change. But when, it, when the time came, the Lord made me a new creature. He gave me heart, new heart, new understanding. He gave me knowledge of deep things and gave me the spirit of understanding. So in his word, I can see his work. I can see his love. I can see his plan. And I can see where I fit in that plan. The believer has that. The unbeliever does not. The unbeliever has no idea in reality what tomorrow holds for him or her. They think they do. They think they've got it worked out. But they do not. Quickly, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. In Matthew 7, I wanted to consider verses 21, 22, and 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then shall I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You the believer will not hear those words. But you the unbeliever may very well hear those words. Except the Lord God save you. Born, reborn you or born you from above. We call it born again. But to be born from above. To be born from the very presence of God. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Those are words I'm so glad I'll never hear. I don't always understand why. In fact, I don't, I'm not sure I, I, I ever understand why in this flesh. Other than the fact, it pleased him do so. It pleased him to send his son to the cross at Calvary to save me. So in conclusion, if these differences are true, 
if what we have is so different than what the heathen has, what should our conclusion to the matter consist of? In part, look at verse 18 of our text. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And our Lord is worthy to be praised. I'm looking now at Psalm 18 and the first three verses. Psalm 1-8, the first three verses. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies because of our God God is worthy to be praised which is why the psalmist when he opened up this song and he qualified not unto us no not unto me not unto my brothers, my sisters, my father, my mother. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. But unto thy name give glory. For you're merciful. And you're faithful. We are not. The more I learn of myself and the more I learn of God's righteousness, the more amazed and the more thankful I am for God's mercy to save me. Praise ye the Lord. We can praise him. The heathen cannot. The heathen can glorify him. The heathen will glorify him but not like he wants to. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any of them go down into silence. Dead men don't praise God, but the living do. Are you spiritually alive this afternoon? Have you been born again? Have you made new? If you have been, or if you say you have been, then how about praising the Lord from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun? Let the Lord be praised.